It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. Hi, I'm Stacy Farquharson. And I'm Stacy Trisankos. Last week, we got real about teenage pregnancy. Stacy and I are both moms of pregnant teens, and we've had that encounter no parent wants to think about. Mom, I'm pregnant. We both know the chili pot of emotions that goes with it, uh, because in that moment, you can't really think about what you're going to say. You just have to respond. And what you say in those next few moments is so critical. But you're dealing with this crash of emotions, the loss of hopes and dreams, the fear of the future, the pain of shame, the heartbreak of watching our babies turned instantly into women, mothers, knowing we're going to walk it through and being grounded in unconditional love and getting through to the other side. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're doing a follow-up episode on teenage pregnancy because, as we said last time, Stacy and I both have been through those moments. We've had those encounters. We've worked through all the issues. You know, how do you teach them traditional Catholic moral teaching at the same time showing them unconditional love? How do you walk mm-hmm. it through? How do you get to the other side? We're on the other side. Mm-hmm. And you may not think we're perfect parents, and we'll be the first to admit that we're not perfect mamas, but I don't think anybody is a perfect parent. I don't think any family is perfect. Mm-mm. And I also want to say real quick shout out to everybody on Facebook who participated in the threads about teenage pregnancy, especially there was one that said, quick, don't think uh, your teenager tells you she's pregnant. What do you say? So many of the comments were exactly what we're going to talk about today, unconditional love yes. um, in one form or another. But but we're on the other side. And so we're going to talk about today. What do you do if your teenager gets pregnant? I remember those emotions too. And I still remember not, not only watching her go through the full gamut of emotions, but me also, I mean, trying to be strong, trying to be a support to her, to shield her and protect her. I mean, more than anything, I wanted to be there for her and protect her, but you know, I couldn't rescue her. I mean, I had to let her walk it out and watching that process happen was hard, but I had to let her walk it out. We had a question on Facebook last week from another mom. She asked, as difficult as it may be, do you think you both would ever discuss why teens were in this difficult situation? It seems like you are both great moms. Well, we, we try, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think we're always great moms. Is there anything us moms can look out for? Tough subject, but much needed. You know what? I remember before I had babies, I would see kids doing things like throwing fits in a restaurant or a store. Mm-hmm. And I would think to myself, my kids are never going to do that. And guess what my kids did? That. In restaurants, <laughs> multiple times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I guess I kind of romanticized what having kids would look like. And in reality, babies do cry and they do grow up and they do start thinking for themselves. But yes, we we trust God. We pray, pray, pray. We get our knee pads out, like we say, every <laughs> episode. 
We pray for God to hold them close and protect them. One of the things I always prayed when my kids started going and doing, you know, when they were teenagers is, you know, Lord, I can't go with him or her tonight, but you can. And I'm so thankful that you're always with them, even when I'm not. And I would just ask him to protect them. Because we want to be helicopter moms, but it it's kind of just irritating. I tried my best. <laughs> we have to keep our our bottoms on the bench. <laughs> we have to stay on that bench and let them go. But we can send the Holy Spirit. We can send God. We can send their guardian angels. We appreciate this question. And we are moms of big families. And we know, and we're here to tell you, and I just feel like we have to say that. No family is perfect. That's the no. thing. I mean, the only perfect family is the Holy Trinity. Um, mm -hmm. And then right after that is the Holy Family, because two of those people never sinned. None of us are going to reach that ideal in our families. You just got to accept it. We're not going to be perfect. The key to keeping it all together, I'm saying this to young families, young parents, older parents with grown kids navigating their lives. The key to keeping it all together is to not be afraid to talk about your problems. So many people put on these masks and they mm -hmm. pretend like there aren't problems because they think if they talk about the problems, they're acknowledging the problems and the problems are going to destroy their family. No, mm -hmm. the not talking about the problems is what's going to destroy your family. And so mm -hmm. that teenage pregnancy falls into that. You got to talk about your problems. Any mm -hmm. psychiatrist will tell you, any psychotherapist will tell you communication is key. Yeah. And it's good that we, even as the Christian family, are talking about this issue of teenage pregnancy today because there were a lot of differing views on Facebook. So it's good that we're talking about this issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I loved reading all the comments. And, you know, secrets will destroy families. And, you know, even Gwyneth Paltrow said, <laughs> you're not learning anything unless you're having the difficult conversations. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you were going to quote scripture there. <laughs> <laughs> You quoted Gwyneth Paltrow, but that's so true. What she said. Mixing it up a little bit. <laughs> Thank you. The second thing that we want to answer to that question, what can you do? I wish we could give you a checklist. I've mothered at both extremes. I try to be a logical person. I think I'm logical to a fault sometimes. And I swing the pendulum both ways to extremes before I get wise enough to come back to the middle. But when I was a career chemist at DuPont, I was so feminist that I was one of those women that tried to act like a man. I put my kids in daycare. I moved them around from one place to another. I neglected them emotionally. When my oldest daughter, my firstborn, sought love elsewhere outside the family and got pregnant, I came to understand that some of that was my own bad choices, having terrible consequences and pushing her to look for love in all the wrong places. And I totally changed when I began converting to Catholicism. I swung the other way. I raised the very next daughter from birth as a cradle Catholic. And I checked all the good Catholic mommy boxes. Okay. Take mm -hmm. them to mass every holy day of obligation and Sunday, put them in Catholic school to read through the faith and life series from Ignatius press with them, um, <laughs> uh, do homeschooling when we needed to, like I, I did everything. And maybe people would say, well, there's other things you could have done. Maybe, but yeah. I was trying like everything to find mm -hmm. out everything a good Catholic mom does. And I checked those boxes and I did them all. And that second daughter too called me the night before I was to give a big talk at Steubenville University at one of their conferences on the Franciscan University at Steubenville on on Catholic parenting. My <laughs> daughter calls me at 3 a.m. and tells me, Mom, I got to tell you something. 
I've had those encounters and I just remember ever since I've asked myself a million times why I failed them both. Mm-mm. You know, Mm-mm. why did I, I know why I failed my oldest daughter, but I don't know why I failed my second daughter. And I wish I could tell you how to avoid this too, but that's the second bit of information that we want to say here. Don't try to make a checklist because I think that is the thing I did wrong. I tried to make a checklist and I got so busy with the checklist. I wasn't just being there in the moment with my child. I wish too that I could tell you how to avoid ever seeing your children suffer, but (laughs) I don't, it's just not possible. I mean, there is not one how-to parenting manual that works for every family or every child. Every child is different. Every family dynamics are different and no one can create that checklist that you talked about that we as mothers can check everything off and know that our kids are never going to have to walk through challenges or never sin, never make mistakes, never get hurt, never have their heart broken. Mm -hmm. I mean, we want to protect them, but it's all a part of walking through this life. And I know that when something happens, we as moms tend to question, how could I have prevented this? What could I have done better? I can't tell you how many times that's played through my mind. Those ever tormenting coulda, shoulda, wouldas. I mean, it's a private battle that I think every mom fights. We, we can't tell you how to avoid your teenager ever getting pregnant because because we've tried everything. I mean, honestly, we've tried everything and it still happened. Um, and, and maybe people listening might think, well, there's things that you didn't try or didn't do well enough. If you only had done that, may, may, and maybe sure, they'd be right. Probably, probably. But, so. <laughs> but we're here now, you know, and so we do have to believe that God is using everything that has happened for a reason. What we want to impress on you today is what to do if your teenager gets pregnant. If you or somebody in your family or a teenager you know comes to you and says in that moment when you don't have time to think, I'm pregnant, what do you say back to them? Like always, we think that the points we're trying to make are best um, demonstrated with our own stories. And Stacy, you have a beautiful story about how God used a teenage pregnancy to build your your relationship and your daughter's faith. My oldest daughter, Lindsay, who is 34, has agreed to share her story with us. So Lindsay, are you there? Yes. So I'll just jump right in. Um, so I remember being, it was Christmas day and I was 20, I just turned 20 years old and I had come home from Christmas and found out that I was pregnant again for my second time. I have a two-year-old little boy at the time and not just the second time, but by the second person, I just remember being completely and utterly traumatized. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I was so mad at myself. I couldn't believe that I had happened again. Mm-hmm. I was not married. I I just was just in utter shock. I mean, I, I really, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to think. One of my good friends at the time was there with me and she had actually had several abortions at the time and was actually pregnant again. She brought up the idea, well, hey, well, why don't we go get abortions together? I mean, mm-hmm. as if we're going to get our nails done. I mean, that's how casual. It was not wow. anything that I would have ever expected. It was so casual. It was so calm, cool, and collected. I was like, okay. I, I've got to fix this problem. I had told her, okay. So she made our appointment, but I just remember over the next couple of days, just beating myself up. I was so upset. I didn't know what to do, but I did know that having an abortion was not something that I wanted to do. And I knew 
the only way that I, you know, could get through this or not do this was to call you my mom and that, you know, whatever it would be, you'd be there for me. I want to share what was going on on my end because God was working behind the scenes and Lindsay at the time didn't know it. And I really didn't know what he was doing either. But on New Year's Eve, our church at the time did a church-wide Bible study to start every year off. And so had gone to the church to get a copy of the Bible study so I could start it. And as I was sitting in the car, they had speakers on where you could actually sit in your car and listen in the parking lot and you could hear what was going on inside the church. And so I could hear the pastor talking while I was in my car. He said, this year, we are going to love unconditionally. And it was like the Lord took those words, pierced my heart and said, Lindsay. I was like, okay, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with Lindsay? And I was praying about it. It was so loud to me that for a couple of days, even I was still praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to do a Bible study with Lindsay? Do you want me to pray more with Lindsay? Do I need, what do you want me to pray for her about? I was just asking over and over, what is this? What do you want me to do? And then, okay, Lindsay. So having that background, go ahead and finish. Well, that is just mind blowing. I, um, I knew that like I had to call my mom. I had to talk to her. I had to figure this out. I just knew. And so I call you and uh, I had said, you know, Hey mom, like we need to go to lunch. I need to talk to you. And of course, because we are so close, I mean, you were like, okay, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Well, remember I said, well, Lindsay, are you pregnant? Yes. Yes. And I just was silent. Yes. You didn't say anything. And I said, well, you would just say no, if you weren't. (laughs) For sure. Like, who wouldn't immediately be like, oh my gosh, no, you know? (laughs) So I remember, I remember just looking straight up and going, this is it. This is it. (laughs) Yes. And having no idea, like looking back, I mean, it's just so amazing to me how that happened because I mean, holy cow, I knew. And you know, during that time period, I just kept, I just kept feeling, I need to call my mom. I need to call my mom. I need to call my mom. You know, I was terrified, but still I just needed to call you. Yes. Do you remember me saying, Lindsay, you don't have to decide if you ever go out with this guy again, if you ever see him again, if you date him Mm -hmm. or if you marry him, you don't have to decide if you're going to raise this baby or give this baby up for adoption. The only thing you have to wrap your mind around today and decide today is that you will give birth to this baby and we have nine months to figure the rest of it out. Yes. And then just hearing those words, I mean, it was so calming. I mean, I had been in such panic. I was just so instantly calmed. That was so the Lord, because I feel like he had prepared me for that moment because Mm -hmm. God knows the end from the beginning. God knew, God knew you were pregnant. God knew and had a plan for your baby. And Mm -hmm. it was like he was preparing my heart to receive what you had to tell me. Yes. No, for sure. Because how you reacted was what calmed me. That's what I needed. I needed that at that time. (laughs) Okay. And Lindsay, I was so proud of you for choosing life. And then over the next few months, tell us about the challenges that you experienced. Throughout those nine months, there were several different times. One specifically that I remember is we were standing, church had just let out. Um, You were getting one of the younger kids out of the children's club. So I was just kind of standing there. And a woman had come up to me and said, I was big pregnant. Like I was showing. Mm -hmm. And had come up to me and was like, 
where's your ring? And I just kind of looked at her. I, I froze. I had no idea what to say, what to do. She was an elderly lady. And she then goes into how I was an abomination, how God didn't support this, how I was, you know, frowned upon and just was going on and on and on. Next thing I know, here comes my mother <laughs> behind me in just full protective mode. And she let her have it. I mean, she stuck up. And this happens every time. I mean, throughout my pregnancy the times that you know people did say something to me out loud to my face oh Lindsay. about you know being pregnant and young mm-hmm. and not married and but you every single time were right there to protect me to let them have it to <laughs> just be there for me and i mean to this day i will never forget that thank you Lindsay, for sharing your story i know that's that took a lot of courage. And I, I just think you're so brave and you're such a good mother and I'm so proud of you. And I love you so much. Oh, that, that was just beautiful. I was trying not to cry during part of it. It definitely, it gave me chills listening to her talk, like hearing her voice. We can tell y'all all day long what happened, but I think it's so powerful to hear it from, from the child, mm-hmm. from the grown woman herself who who worked through all of that and got to the other side. Yes. We're talking about this because Stacy and I are on the other side in some ways. We're on the other side. In other ways, we're still walking through it. I mean, there even I'll just tell you a funny story. Every week trying to record this podcast, we don't it, it's often like we're just trying to get up early enough before all the <laughs> chaos happens. Because because yeah. we have very full houses, you know, yeah. like, oh, can we record right now? No, I have six kids in my house right now. I'll have to right. wait another time. <laughs> and there's things we're still walking through all of this. And that's that's why we're talking about that's why we're trying to get real. But mm-hmm. a teenage pregnancy changes the course of the whole family's life. It changes mm-hmm. the course of your life. In that moment, your world just tilts and you change the course. But for her to tell you, I mean, she's already had her world thrown off its its course. It's already been derailed. It changes the course of the whole family. But what it has taught me and Stacy, and you heard it in the testimony from her daughter, is to accept life, accept mm-hmm. life and love unconditionally. Yeah. When my second daughter, like the one after that I raised so perfectly Catholic, when she called me that night at 3 a.m. when I'm trying to get some sleep so I can give a talk on being a good Catholic mother, she calls me in the middle of the night and I didn't have time to think. She tells me, Mom, I got to tell you something. I'm pregnant. The mm-hmm. first thing out of my mouth, and it was all grace. It wasn't me because I was still asleep. This is what <laughs> I said because I never forgot it because I was like, whoa, where'd that come from? I said, <laughs> We are all going to love this baby unconditionally, just like we love you unconditionally. Mm, and that, that will guide every decision we make. And period. That was the end of it. And and like we talked from there, but I feel like that grounding in our faith that God has a purpose, that just sets the stage for everything that comes after it. I mean, obviously, if you say we're going to love this baby unconditionally, abortion's out. No one's talking about that. We're going to do what's best for the baby. And we're gonna we're gonna love you, our teenage daughter. And we, we're going to show you what unconditional love looks like so you can love your baby unconditionally. And it should guide every decision you make. And I've I've learned based on that to just roll with life. Yes. Because the shoulda, coulda, woulda, Stacey. Oh, man, <laughs> I, I do that. Instead of pining about it, I should have done this. I should have done that. I failed because, you know, you get better at mothering as you get older, but you're still not perfect. 
or instead of trying to hyper control the future, because that's what I, I try to do as well. I've learned to be more like, <laughs> I've learned to be more like a surfer mom. <laughs> I was at the beach last week. So but I was thinking about it, but I've heard it said before that, that time passes. Like, even if you say the word now, by the time you get to the W, the N is in the past. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> but the, the philosopher who was saying that was saying to all of us, be present in the moment. You got to ride the crest of the wave. Mm. You, you're, you're in the moment all the time. You're not worrying about the past. You're not controlling the future. You got to focus on the moment that you're in. And I'm like, surfer mom, that's what we got to be like. I love that. Rolling with the punches. And for all those friends fans out there, <laughs> we have to be able to say as moms, pivot. Pivot. <laughs> but getting those calls, you know, the ones, not just the, hey, mom, I'm pregnant, but hey, mom, can you come bail me out of jail? <laughs> or mom, I just got married last night. Oh my gosh. How many of, how many have gotten that phone call? Or, you know, mom, I need to tell you how I identify oh, or, yeah. or mom, I'm got a new job and I'm moving out of state. I mean, all of those calls that we get, all of those curveballs that life throws us that take our breath away. And yet at the same moment, when we feel we can't breathe, we have to respond. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll tell you, my go-to response, it may not make sense in the moment, but sometimes it's all I got. I love you. Yeah. I mean, that's all I can say is it's like, oh, except for when they call me and tell me to come get them out of jail. I'm like, I'm on my way. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I love you. I love you. I'm on my way. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. But the, the thing is, life is going to throw us curveballs, yes. and how we respond makes a difference. Makes all the difference. And okay, so I do have a scripture. No. <laughs> and it is Paul writing to the Thessalonians. It says, we must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith during all your persecutions and the afflictions that you are enduring. Okay, that's a little bit different um, verse for someone to reference, but it speaks mm -hmm. to me because yeah. Paul is saying, hey guys, I know you're really dealing with it. I mean, you guys are riding the struggle bus and it's obvious, <laughs> but the way you are walking it out is wonderful. And I'm so impressed by how you're walking it out that I boast about, I mm -hmm. boast about it. I brag about you guys to all the churches that I visit. I brag about how your faith is growing abundantly. So, and how your love for one another is increasing all this in spite of the, tr the struggles, all of this in spite of all the persecutions that you're going through. Mm -hmm. Now notice Paul doesn't specify what the struggles are exactly. He doesn't name all the struggles. Because he's more impressed with the way they're walking mm -hmm. it out versus what they are walking out. And all I can say is when, not if, right? <laughs> when life throws a curveball and we get those phone calls, if we could be like those faithful, loving Thessalonians, now that will minister to those around us. Yes. Because people are watching. They're yes. watching how we walk it out. And especially, I'll say, especially if they know that you're a Christian. Mm -hmm. You live in a glass house because people are watching how you handle life. You know, have you ever heard um, 
it's not the destination, but the journey. Mm -hmm. Sometimes how we walk it out becomes the bigger testimony. So let's let those that are watching see our faith grow and our love increase. And even if no one is watching, we will still come out on the other side better off if we walk it out the right way and end up with stronger faith and increased love. Yeah. That, thank you for tying that together with St. Paul, because I, as you were reading that scripture, I'm thinking they were probably dealing with more persecution than than we're dealing with today. Like we think things are so bad in the church. We think things are so bad in our country. We worry about what's happening with our friends. What you're saying, Stacy, really applies to everything in the life of faith. And here's the good news and the good news. There's really not any bad news. The good news is we all suffer. <laughs> yeah. You you can't avoid it. That I mean that in a way that is good news because if you do suffer don't think what did I do wrong? It's part of life. It's part mm -hmm. of your faith journey. You're going to suffer. You can't avoid it. Our families are going to suffer. Our kids, which is even worse than suffering yourself, our kids are going to suffer. Life yeah. is really just one <laughs> march to death. <laughs> you know, like every day is a day closer to the end of our life, right? No matter how mm -hmm. long we live. But as Christians, it's not a march to death. That's the end of life. It's an ascendancy. It's a climb towards heaven. We're journeying towards heaven. We all live forever. Life is about if you're going to choose heaven or you're going to choose hell. And so we're constantly casting trying. I feel like I'm casting a net every day. I'm like, I'm trying to do the right thing, trying to do the right mm -hmm. thing. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, well, some of that didn't go so well. <laughs> what what can I learn and do better the next day? But I'm trying, I'm striving, I'm yearning, I'm pulling on that rope, trying to get to heaven, trying to take the people I love there with me and anybody else who God puts in my path. So the good news is that we suffer. That is part of our preparation for heaven. The other good news is that every single nanosecond of our life, every heartbeat, every breath, you can break your heartbeat into a million parts. Every one of those nanoseconds has a purpose. Our job is to figure it out. Why am I here today? Why am I doing this today? Why am I suffering? Why did this thing happen? God, what is my purpose in this? How is it going to be used for the greater glory of God? Yes, I always ask God, um, what are my marching orders today? <laughs> <laughs> well, moms, dads, <laughs> we are just not perfect. Nope. <laughs> And we're going to make mistakes along alongside our teens, alongside each other, whatever your struggle bus is, whatever <laughs> has happened in the past. Someone once said, nothing we do changes the past. Everything we do changes the future. Yep. Just remember that, you know, Luke 6, 31 says, basically do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love unconditionally. That's the key. Next episode, why aren't there more young families in church anyway? I'm Stacy Farquharson. And I'm Stacy Trisenkos. Until next time. If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see stacyandstacy.site for more information. <laughs>